Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dream Leapers Inspiration. I'm your host, Harriet Cole. As always, so very happy to be with you today. How are you all feeling today? Are you feeling good? Are you feeling energized? Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling, what are you feeling? What are you feeling right now? What are you feeling about how you are showing up in this moment? If you take the temperature, so to speak, of yourself in this moment, what would you say? How are you right now? And how did you get to be how you are right now? See, there's where it really is. How did you get to be in the state that you're in right now, in the level of energy that you are experiencing right now? the place where you find yourself right now? How'd you get there? What put you in this moment at this time? These are important questions for us to think about. Why? Because it is based upon choice that we are where we are. It is based upon your series of choices that you made leading up to this moment that have put you exactly where you are in this moment. Do you realize that? That's the big question. We often feel like we're just putting one foot in front of the other, uh, working, fulfilling responsibilities, moving from point A to point B. Things can often feel so busy that we don't even realize how we got from where we are, from where we were to where we are. Has that ever happened to you? That you just are sort of moving one foot in front of the other? And I've talked about this before, but my mother says sometimes she feels like an old horse. She'll be out and about, and we used to go all over the place with my mother, all over the city, going to this place and that place. And then it's time to come home, and she, she said that, the car was almost like an old horse. It would just take her home because that path was a known path. Now, in some instances, that sense of the path being the path followed by the old horse that just knows where it's going can be a good thing. And in other cases, if it's not conscious, that movement from point A to point Z, if it just happens, but not because you made a conscious effort to get from one point to the other. It can sometimes be detrimental. So there's something that I talk to my daughter about a lot and have said to her, it's one of those, I guess, mantras that I've said to her since she was a little girl, and now she's about to be 18, and it is make smart choices before going out to be with her friends before going out to get on the train to go to school, before engaging in any activity. I remind her regularly, make smart choices. And over the years, we've talked about what a smart choice looks like so that it's not just a thing that I say. Instead, it is something that has illustrations, stories, examples, for a child growing into her womanhood 
smart choices change as she develops more agency in her life. And at some point, it's just going to be her probably hearing my voice saying, make, make smart choices without me even being there. Because I know I hear my mother's voice, my mother who just turned 92. I hear her voice all the time. I hear my father's voice and he passed away more than 20 years ago. And I still hear his lessons. And I abide by those lessons often. This particular lesson, which is one that I constantly remind my daughter to invoke as she begins her day, as she moves into an experience, is one that allows you to be fully present and to claim your power. To make a smart choice means that you have to pause for a moment and consider what are the options. That you pause for a moment and remember what your goals are. And what's that goal further ahead than what's directly in front of your face? And depending upon what your bigger goals are, your your greater intention, what's right before you may or may not be the choice that you want to make. You know, short-term choices can often lead to long-term problems. Isn't that right? Sometimes the instant gratification choice that is so popular right now for all of us based on the way that our culture is evolving, sometimes that instant gratification choice can get us in a whole bunch of trouble. If you look at your own life, you can find examples to remind you of when a knee-jerk choice, a compulsion, an addiction, a, a distraction got you completely off course and going down a path, you're like, how did I get there? And then you have to find your way back and reroute yourself and figure out a way forward. So I'm talking about making smart choices in the first place. Thinking about the big picture, looking at your life and deciding what makes sense for you, not just today, but in 10 days, in a month in a year, in 10 years. And this, by the way, is not to get you to be boring and stuck and fearful. Absolutely not. This is to get you to be clear and fully engaged so that you practice awareness of everything around you. You know, um, talk about my daughter a lot. I grew up in Baltimore in a very sheltered household. She grew up in Harlem in a much more aware environment, taking nothing away from my family, but we grew up in the suburbs of Baltimore. And my father was a judge and he knew how bad some people were in the world, how many bad deeds occurred. And he chose to protect us, to shield us from those things. So we didn't even have to see them. There's good and bad in every decision. I ended up having to figure out a lot of these things on my own after I left home because I didn't witness any of it 
when I was growing up. Well, very little. My daughter, living in the throb of the city, of New York City, in a community that is ever changing and that has every type of person in it, uh, has witnessed lots of behavior and actions and consequences of actions. She has learned that when you walk outside, you look everywhere. You know that thing that kids learn, um, look, le look left and right and ahead of you before you cross the street. As you leave your building, you are looking everywhere. You are scanning to see who is in your environment, what is going on so that you can step into the world fully aware of what's going on in your world. That's not something that I learned in that way anyhow when I was little. It is something that my daughter practices today. And I think it's beneficial. You know, it's really based upon all the things that my husband and I have learned and where we physically live, which makes a huge difference in terms of what you get to see and don't get to see. This is part of the reason why Make Smart Choices is something that I felt was essential to share with her from a very early age. And then, yes, of course, we have shielded her from certain things, but also we have made her aware of things. And I'll give you an example of that because I think it's interesting. Again, we live in Harlem. I'm going to say she was about five or six, the first time we were walking down the street. And I, there was a man standing on the corner, nodding, almost falling down, not quite falling down. And she looked a, a bit startled and, you know, mommy, what's wrong with him? And rather than ignoring him or saying something sanitized, I told her that man is high off of a drug called heroin. And this is what happens. That They call that nodding. Usually people don't fall down, but it looks like they're going to. And I said to her then, she's about five, I said, you know, you never want to try a drug that will do this to you. There's some things you never want to try. This is one of them. And over the years, every now and then, we'll see a person high on that particular drug, and it looks a particular way. And when she was about 11, we saw another person standing on the corner, nodding, almost falling down, not quite falling down. At 11, she has a lot more awareness, and I reminded her that's what heroin looks like. And I said, you know, I really don't understand why someone would choose to do, to use a drug that would have that effect on them. And at 11 years old, she looked up at me and she says, mommy, it must feel so good when they use it that they think that this side effect is worth it. 11 years old. And I then said, you're probably right. And that's why you should never try it. 
make smart choices. Sometimes to learn the lesson of what it means to make smart choices is to see what a choice that isn't smart looks like, to see the impact of a bad decision. That's one bad decision. You know, during the height of COVID, where we live, which is a lovely building that normally is respected. The height of COVID, uh, well, there's scaffolding around our building. And Governor Cuomo made a rule saying that in the parks throughout New York City, because people weren't socially distancing themselves, he had all the park benches taken away. And when people had a place to congregate and sit on a bench, they no longer did. So there's a park across the street from our building where most people I know do not go. It is a park that uh, has become the hub for drug addicts and other people. And we just, they, they go there in that park, sad that that's what it is, but other people don't go. When the benches were removed, those people moved underneath of our building. And suddenly this safe place, almost like an oasis became safe harbor for people who were using a drug that I don't even know what it is, but it zombifies people. So there were homeless people, drug addicts, they brought furniture, the police would come and take them away and they would come back. They dried their clothes in the summer on the scaffolding rails. It was traumatic. And also during that time, because so many jobs were lost, there were many people who were uh, stealing bags and you know other things because they had no money and they needed to buy food and whatever else they needed to do. So it was a lot of petty crime. During this period, my daughter, who had been so independent leading up to COVID, was first housebound by our rules and the city's rules. And then we got to the point where she, we didn't let her go out by herself. A, we thought she might be a target of these bag snatchers. And B, the people who had congregated under our scaffolding were deranged. They had made very unwise choices. And honestly, Cuomo had made an unwise choice. It, I, I, he thought it was smart but it had unexpected consequences that made it dangerous where we live. For us, the question was, how do we navigate this? How do we protect our child when this is what's happening? And we decided to always go outside at least in twos. That was the smart choice that we could make in what had become like a war zone. And after a period of time, we moved for most of the summer so that we could be safer. What are smart choices for your life? These are just a couple of examples of extreme uh, conditions and what happens, what do you do in those extreme conditions? But every day we have the opportunity to make a smart choice or a knee-jerk choice, the easiest choice, the long-term choice, how do you make your choices and your decisions? So, of course, I found a quote 
My quote is make smart choices. But I found another that I wanted to share with you. And let me go to it right now. So this is a philosopher who I enjoyed very much when I was in college and was happy to find that this was his quote from John Paul Sartre. We are our choices. We are our choices. Think about that. Think about what that means. We are our choices. They define us. How do you feel about knowing that? Your choices define who you are. I remember one day, you know, I think all of you know because I've talked about it so often, but I practice meditation. And I was at a leadership retreat many years ago. So let's say I've been practicing meditation um, more than 30 years. And about a couple of years in, I was at this leadership retreat and the speaker at the retreat was explaining that we are beacons of God's light, every one of us, and that as a beacon of God's light, we need to be aware because whatever we do, whatever we say, wherever we are, not just in the retreat, not just in house of worship, but everywhere that we are. What we think, what we say, what we do, either helps to make the light as bright as it can be or diminishes the light. And that each of us is party to keeping that light bright or diminishing it. When I heard that, I was like, oh, that's way too big of a responsibility for me. I don't want to be someone responsible for whether God's light is bright or not. That's too much. I, <laughs> I was like, nope, I, don't, I can't do that. I don't think I can do that. And I remember sitting with this and, and then the speaker led us into a meditation where we were contemplating this, and just being with this concept of being a beacon of God's light. And I burst into tears from the depths of my being. I'll never forget, we were in this beautiful hall, glass encased hall with beautiful marble heated floors. And I'm sitting there meditating and feeling like I collapsed into a puddle of tears. I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed, and it was okay and safe for me to do so. And when the meditation was over and I calmed down and I opened my eyes, I felt that the shedding of tears had released some fear that was inside of me and had created space for me to envision being capable of being a beacon of God's light. And just, just the idea that I could be capable of that, that everywhere I go, everyone I'm with, that I could serve in that role, 
my energy had shifted through the tears and the meditation to a sense of potential. Maybe I could. Maybe I could become the person that could hold that light and help to keep that light bright all the time. And it has been an intention that I have held consciously since that time. And, and it also reminded me that my, I go back to my family, my mother who's 92 years old, just had her birthday, holds that light all the time. Her mother, all the time. My teacher, my meditation teacher who lives with that light emanating from the depths of her being all the time. So why not me? Why not you? Imagine if you consider that wherever you are, whatever you're thinking, saying, and doing, you have an opportunity to be in alignment with God's light no matter where you are, that you have a choice to be in alignment with God's light. And it's a conscious, well, I say it's a conscious choice because that's my experience of it. But so often we don't make conscious choices. It's even a conscious choice to be conscious about this, to be intentional. My dear friend Lejeune talks about, we've been talking about this for years, about being conscious and intentional. And when we were both going through a dark period and supporting each other, and really searching for the light, many years ago, we would talk about that. Well, how do we get out of this period? By being conscious and intentional, especially when it's a dark time. By Stepping back, being still, noticing your environment, noticing what's happening around you, what's swirling within you, and making the choice, the conscious choice to walk in the direction of the light. That's when you can feel like confident that you're on a path to greatness. Now, the light may be far away. It may be hard to get there. Just like I described with right outside of our building when darkness was just hovering. We chose the light. We chose to be smart and safe. So I'm not talking in an ethereal way. I'm talking practical. You know, me talking to my friend Lejeune in this way we chose to talk to each other because we chose to say, stay positive and look for ways to work through the challenges that we were facing at that time. How many times do we do something different? When we're feeling down, when we're feeling upset and we call someone and commiserate with that person, you won't believe what so-and-so did to me. You won't believe this happened. It, it's In those times, it's almost always somebody else's fault. 
when we feel that, when we feel the pressure of things not going our way, the stress of challenge, we often start pointing our finger outward. And it is your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's somebody else's fault. Surely it's not our fault, my fault. Somebody else did me wrong. Do you do that? Think about it. When you feel really stressed, that something is not right, is your first inclination to point your finger outward and blame someone else. That is part of human nature. And I have learned in those moments when you notice, in the moment of conscious awareness, when you notice that you are pointing that finger at someone else, you wrestle it back and point it at yourself. And let me tell you, that is hard to do. It is so hard to do, to wrestle that finger back around because that finger wants to point hard at somebody else. You did me wrong. You made this happen. You, 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 you. And I want you to wrestle it around and ask yourself, what did I do to get myself in this situation? And what can I do to get myself out of it? Sartre says, you are your choices. You are your choices. If that is true, then we must be ever more mindful of the choices that we make. Because if they can, if they do define us, as Sartre says, do we want them to? Are these choices that we're making choices that actually make sense? When I tell my daughter, she had, we've had a number of incidents where she's going to be with friends and she'll tell me, and I am so grateful that we talk so openly, that maybe one of the friends is known to not think far enough ahead, is known to stumble in ways that could be detrimental to others. And so I remind her always, but especially in this situation, be a leader. Be a leader in this moment so that if you're with a group of friends and one needs to be guided, you can stand in that space of guide. You don't have to say, oh, okay, I'll do such and such because the group wants to do it or someone with the loudest voice says it's a good idea. You can stand in full awareness of who you are and what you value and stand strong and sometimes say no. Sometimes the only answer is no. No is a choice. You know how you hear often these days, no is a complete sentence. And very often people feel uncomfortable saying no. And more often than they would like to admit, when they say yes and they really want to say no, the consequences of that yes can be detrimental. Has that happened to you? It has certainly happened to me. So much so that I've gotten to the point when people ask me to do something that, you know, I just simply do not want to do, do not think is wise, do not have time to do, is just off course for what I believe is right for my life. Now I'm much more skilled at saying no. And I can say no nicely. You don't have to be mean about it. You can explain sometimes why. Or you could just say, 
I'm so sorry. No. When you are able to make the choice not to accept a role, a duty, a task, when you can say no because it doesn't make sense for you, it is empowering because it frees you up to be ready for the yeses that can define your life, for those yeses that will help clear the path to your next goals. And by the way, this does not mean at all that I'm suggesting that you be selfish in, in the sense of not being compassionate or empathetic or helpful to others. Absolutely not. That's not what I mean. We always should think of others and think kindly of supporting others and determine ways in which we recognize that it is strategic to help others and help to uplift them. But we can easily be completely distracted and and lose our way if our focus is on others rather than on our life and how we want that life to unfold. Sartre says we are our choices. Think about that, meditate on that. We are our choices. If that is true, don't you wanna be really mindful of the choices that you make? I think so. I think so. So in these few minutes that we have left, let's do a little meditation. Everybody put your feet flat on the floor, your hands with your thumbs and forefingers touching on your knees. Please close your eyes. Take a deep breath in. Breathe in your own power. Breathe out long. Breathe out any discomfort in your body. Breathe in deep, breathe in the knowledge that you can make the right choices for your life. Breathe out long, breathe out any weakness that may be standing in your way. One more time, breathe in deep, breathe in the peace that comes from knowing that you can control yourself. Breathe out long, allow yourself to just be in this moment. Now, naturally watch your breath as it goes in and out. Just breathe. Give yourself these few moments to just be. Don't think about what's coming next. Just be here now. Breathe. Allow your body to be filled with the life force as it moves in and out. Feel your power coursing through your body. Breathe. And let Sartre's words resonate within you. We are our choices. We are our choices. We are our choices. 
And as choices bubble forth, choices that you have made bubble forth, just notice that no matter what they are, they may be good choices, they may be painful choices, whatever they are, just notice them. Allow yourself to see choices that you have made, choices that are before you now. Just notice them. See your choices, where they have led you. Notice them, but allow them to go. You don't need to hold on to any of it. Just notice your choices, the good ones, the not so good ones. We are our choices. One thing that my teacher teaches us is that we can offer the choices that do not serve us to the fire of yoga, to God, and ask to be released from those choices that do not serve us anymore so that we can be free to make choices that will. To ask God's blessing to release the choices that do not serve you, to make space for those that can and will. Make smart choices. make smart choices. Now very gently open your eyes and offer gratitude to yourself for those few moments of accessing your greatness inside that can help you to make smart choices. And the things that bubbled up for you that you don't like, offer them to the fire of yoga. Offer them to God and ask for you to be released from their power so that you have space to make those smart choices. Until next time, have a great day and make it count. Namaste.